The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. When we can use techniques like this to let ourselves settle down and relax, then we have an opportunity to experience what Buddhism calls the true nature of mind. And the way my own teacher described the experience of this true nature of mind was very often with three words. Open, spacious, and relaxed. Open means that whatever the experience it is that we happen to be having, whether it's external or internal, we are open to it. We greet it with an open heart, not a sense of being closed or competitive or trying to push it away, but rather the openness of allowing ourselves to fully and fearlessly experience it. And this openness has the quality of dissolving the barriers of duality, the barriers of separation. The barrier that makes us feel cut off from everything else so that we are just this one little being here as opposed to the whole big wide world. So the openness is about letting that sense of a separation start to relax and dissolve. And one way that the Buddha described the difference between being closed and being open was to talk about what our experience is like in a dream when we don't know we're dreaming as opposed to what it's like in a dream when we know we're dreaming. And in a dream when we know we're dreaming, whatever the quality of what is appearing to us can still be vivid, clear, distinct. But our feeling of being separate from it, of having it be either something that we have to hold on to or push away, that feeling is gone. 
And instead we have much more an experience of play, playfulness. Of connectedness. So there's that sense of openness. And when we meditate, the way that we can bring this into our body is feeling an open heart, a soft feeling here in the chest area, not tense or held back, but relaxed. Allowing for what is there to be met. So that's the open quality. The spacious quality is that whatever there is that we are open to, we have confidence that we have the space to be able to accommodate it. That we're not going to be overwhelmed or destroyed. We start to develop this kind of confidence. And that there's a lot of room for things to manifest. We don't have to always be in control or know the outcome. But we can have the confidence that we can allow things to go as they will. Both externally and internally. And particularly with regard to uh, powerful emotions, emotional experiences uh, that may arise inside, we start to develop the sense that our mind, our being, is like a huge white canvas, infinite in size. And all these different emotional reactions to things are like the paint of Jackson Pollock, you know, spraying in different parts of the canvas. Making beautiful patterns and designs. Always different, always fresh. But that we feel like we have the room the space to accommodate whatever patterns may want to come up. And so along with this is also a feeling of the joy of creativity, of appreciating the the creative quality of our own thoughts and emotions. They don't have to be viewed as negative or to be controlled. But rather we can allow ourselves 
to manifest in this way as we are because there's the room for that, there's the space for that. It's never going to fall off of or destroy this canvas. Because the canvas and the paint are basically of the nature of being pure. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just who we are. It's our painting. So it's beautiful. And that is connected with this third quality of being relaxed. Relaxation is something we can understand well from what the opposite of relaxation is, which is struggle. So when we feel like We have to make sure we get some things and other things don't happen. When we're in this effort of engaging with our mind, our emotions, feeling that some we like, we want to preserve, others we want to push away, all of that is a struggle that's tiring. when we can let that struggle just dissolve and allow things just to be as they are, then that absence of struggle and that relaxation is joyful. It's like when you're on a beach or a beautiful place, in a beautiful place, and everything is just right. The feeling you don't have to change anything about how you are or your experience. When we have that feeling like there's nothing that we need to change, there's nothing we need to add, there's nothing we need to get rid of, then we're happy. So the question is, how can we start to have that kind of experience more? During our life. And we can do that by gradually seeing how we can ease up on this struggle of having to change, of having to fight with appearances or with emotions.
rather just allowing them to be. So in that way, relaxation is not the opposite of stress. We don't have to see it as something that's fighting with stress for room in our life. When we feel the stressful emotions and we can just allow them the space to manifest without feeling like we have to oppose them, without the judgment that they are negative, then that's genuine relaxation. And that takes time. But gradually, we can actually begin to do that and begin to appreciate all the different qualities of our internal and external experience. open, spacious, and relaxed. Does anyone have any comments or questions? Yes. Do we have a microphone? Is that? Thank you, sorry. I was a little confused about the dream story from the Buddha with that if you knew you were dreaming, you could be more open to the experience? Or Right. So the Buddha used these different examples of how uh, the nature of what we experience appears, but at the same time, is also of the nature of emptiness, that it's both. So he used the example of saying that appearances are like a rainbow, like a reflection. And one of the best examples is the example of a dream, because we all experience dreams. And we experience how uh, when we dream and we don't know we're dreaming, then it seems exactly as if it's really happening. And all of the different responses 
that we would normally have to events we have in a dream, even though after we wake up, we can clearly understand this was just a projection of my mind. So what would it be like, and a lot of people have had the experience, how many people have had the experience of dreaming and knowing that you're dreaming? Raise your hand. Yeah, so many people. What's it like when you dream and you know you're dreaming? You know that these appearances, even though they seem very distinct and clear and just like during the day, they are not real. And neither are we. So what's, what then is life like? So that's one way the Buddha and the yogis describe their experience of an enlightened experience is it's like a dream when you know you're dreaming. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Thank you. seems to me that the dream never existed. Because you're having a dream and you don't realize you're dreaming. And when you wake up, uh, it was not real. So it never existed. But when you're dreaming, you don't know that. No, right? because uh, you're asleep. Or you're not here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, not, that's... and that's what the Buddha says. You're not really here. That's right. All you are is water, fire, air, and the earth, like you mentioned, meditating on the earth, and have it come into your body. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think we have to be careful uh, talk about not here, emptiness, uh, non-existence, because the Buddha did teach over two realities, conditional, everyday conditioned reality, which we experience as though it, uh, it, had, it wasn't empty and had permanence and wasn't changing. And then, of course, ultimate reality where uh, the idea of, uh, of the emptiness of things lacking an inherent existence. So I think we can have to be really careful when we talk about uh, non-existence, emptiness, that we mistake that to mean if I put my finger in the fire, I'm certainly going to be burned and suffer. Absolutely. And the main point is to see, to direct these kinds of teachings to the place where we feel fear where we feel difficulty. It's not about having a license to act uh, irresponsibly or to treat people uh, with disdain. Um, That's not what it's about. It's about really where is the place for me personally 
that's tough? And how am I dealing with that? What's causing the difficulty? And we start to look and we start to find uh, layers of aversion, layers of contraction. of hesitation, doubt. So really it's about how can we start to become more comfortable and harmonious with our own experience. To be able to experience it in a way that feels softer and less threatening. And so one way, one of many, is to start to examine appearances and see that the threat that we feel, the negativity that we feel inside, really is something to do with our projection. Now that... Projection is also something we don't want to ignore because it can be there for quite a valid reason. Uh, But we can start to see that we don't need to be defined by it. We don't need to let it govern us, to rule over us. that it's like a dream and that it's not who we really are. And so we can relax. We can simply start to relax. And when we can do that and these barriers between ourselves and our feelings, between ourselves and others start to come down, then we start to feel much more connected. We are able to have more space to be concerned for others. We can have more of a sense of humor. And these things start to happen. So that's, that's the point. Yes. So I think your example of um, dreaming and being conscious that you're dreaming is an interesting one. And um, I noticed that as I've gotten older, I am often more conscious that I am dreaming. And it tends to make my dreams much more interesting because I can relax and sort of follow the storyline without the fear or the urgency uh, that I would feel if I didn't know it was a dream. Um, So likewise, in life, as I practice longer, I'm aware of that. But the question that keeps coming up for me at these certain junctures surrounding either 
uh, a relationship or finances or planning for the future, um, is, uh, am I too relaxed? Am I, am I delusional here? Yeah. So uh, it's that going between relaxation and wondering, are you just being delusional? Yeah, don't you love that voice? <laughs> there can seem to be that voice that says, hey, you're a little too relaxed here now. <laughs> and so that's something to watch to see if there's some part of us that feels threatened by just taking it easy, just relaxing. And instead of saying, you're missing something, you have to be on guard. And that's really a societal thing. Our parents had it, we have it, everybody's, we've got to always be pushing ahead. So certainly it's important to take care and to plan and to put attention into those things, but do we have to do it in a way that makes us feel like I have to be on edge in order to do it properly? If I'm not on edge, does that necessarily mean that I've taken my eye off the ball? So, I would say it doesn't mean that. And because if we can think about uh, just how we would like to be in any situation, if we're confronted by a difficult decision or something we have to do, we would like to be clear and relaxed when dealing with that. And so this voice uh, can actually be to our detriment. And so we can say to it, I am paying attention to these things, but I don't have to be unhappy when I do. And I can allow for what's going to happen to happen because ultimately the future is beyond our control. So you can have everything planned perfectly and walk out the door and be hit by a bus, right? So how do you want to be in that moment? <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) You know, this, this contemplation of death is helpful in the sense that it helps us think of how we want to live our life. 
And do we always want to be in a state of planning for the future so that even at the moment of death, we're still worried about the future? When do we get to actually relax and enjoy the experience and the unknown? How about now? Thanks. So open, spacious, and relaxed. I don't know if this is a question as much as a comment, but from the moment you walked in, I saw your picture on the website this morning, from the moment you walked in, your face looks open, spacious, and relaxed. (laughs) And maybe my question is just this. How do you do it? Well, if it looks like that, then it's uh, a positive testimony to the possibility of transformation. (laughs) And I don't have any other answer besides just practicing in this way that we're, we're talking about now. Um, I think I understand from what you said how I should work with all the turmoil of inequity and injustice, but those two words kind of describe for me, like maybe the environmental crisis comes in there Mm. uh, as a third one, but I mean, the worst of the worst that we have to think about comes at us all the time in the news and so on. And um, so I think what you're saying is we do want to work on those things. We do want to resist them and, um, you know, make the world better. But we can't do it all day long with sort of a furious mind. And I'm, I'd like to have you speak more about how a day would feel, how a specific day would go if you were going to do uh, things toward you know, relieving inequity and justice in the environmental crisis and still feel somewhat in balance. Are you suggesting, you know, that we would meditate at the beginning and then maybe after an hour we would do another meditation to remind us and we would keep, or maybe every minute we would... Could you just (laughs) go into it a little bit specifically? Thank you. Well, one thing, the, the openness quality is important because certainly we are constantly uh, presented, confronted uh, by the suffering of the world. And what do we do with that energy? So one possibility is that we allow it to open our own heart. And that we don't fear uh, the experience of sadness that that brings. 
Because that sadness is our humanity. And actually, the word sadness comes from satiate, to be full. So a great Tibetan master, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, spoke of the genuine heart of sadness. Because that's the heart that's full and is full of love. And so in this way, when we have this kind of attitude, then, and we work in these ways of, of relieving injustice and inequity, then it doesn't have to be something that is overwhelming, but it can be something that is actually nourishing our ability to care for others. Because of how it makes us feel. But at the same time, it seems very important to develop the confidence in the basic nature of ourselves, of others, of the universe, as what the Buddha described as perfect and complete purity. The underlying energy, underneath it all, underneath all of the shame and the terrible experiences that people have to endure is this indestructible, pure goodness that is the basis for being able to transform this world. If it weren't like that, the classic Indian example goes, it would be like trying to clean a piece of coal. It would be impossible. But fortunately, it's not. And so the texts give many examples of that, of how it's like a diamond buried in a mound of garbage. How it's like the pure quality of water in the middle of mud or in a sky that's covered by clouds. It's the pure quality of space. It's there. We just need to connect with it. And the more we can do that, the more we can have this kind of confidence that goes together with the openness to the suffering of ourselves and the suffering of others. That's why you generate beauty. So replies your question. Right. And so these two we need to have the open quality of the heart and, the, and developing the confidence in 
the indestructible goodness and purity that is at our core. And when we go forward, we meet others with those two, then it's a very good combination. Yes. Um, I had two questions. I wanted you to talk about this windy mind, and then I wanted you to um, talk about what the wisdom sun, did I get that right, what that, what that is about? So in this, in this day and age, we can really uh, experience or this quality of wind, because wind... The wind energy is connected with conceptuality. And every age of human existence has its own, you know, good side and bad side. So it's not saying we should go back to the good old days as if there were any. But in this day and age, certainly uh, conceptuality has become the most powerful force in people's lives to the extent that um, you know, everything about our work environment is electronic, uh, is on all the time. Uh, there's less and less connection with the earth in terms of our providing for ourselves, our daily life. You know, to get exercise, to get connected with earth, we have to go to a gym. You have to pay for that, right? (laughs) Now, (laughs) to connect with your body. Um, And things are out of the natural rhythm in terms of we have lights on all the time. We don't follow the natural rhythms of the days or the seasons. And so all of this contributes to the wind. And you know, you can you can feel this wind energy like when, when people turn on their your computer and you look at it and you and it starts to like suck you in so that you end up like like this, <laughs> right? And so the question is how do we regain our independence, to bring this kind of wind energy back under, into balance. Because if we don't, then that's what causes the anxiety and the instability and this sleeplessness and all the different maladies of, of modern life that go along with that. And so that's what this kind of earth grounding meditation is about, just to bring things back into balance. And one way to connect with the elements other than wind during the day is just to stop and appreciate sense experience. Sense experience is very grounding. just to listen to sounds, to look at things, to feel how your body's feeling. 
to eat without reading, without watching TV, you know, just to experience taste. Don't feel like we have to fill every gap with conceptual activity. That can really help. And, yes, so the second question was about Wisdom Sun. And Wisdom Sun is the Dharma organization that uh, my wife, Rose Taylor, and I have started uh, up in San Francisco. And we give weekly courses and different kinds of teachings both here and we meet with people one-on-one because we feel like that kind of personal quality of Dharma practice is really important. And so if anybody is interested, I'll stay around. You please can give you my email address. Our website is uh, under construction, but hopefully near the end of construction. (laughs) So that'll be up soon, but We'd love to have uh, people come, and so please you can come up and we can exchange information so you can get on our mailing list if you'd like to do that. It will be, yes. Hopefully in the next couple weeks. So we're just about at the end of our time. Um, I'm happy to stay and talk to people, but I don't want to keep you either. So I very much enjoyed this time spent with you this morning. Thank you for having me.